Welcome to Candidly 30. No, we're not 30, but we're in our 30s working through life. Every week, we're discussing our favorites, our gratitudes, our grievances, and all the crazy in between. Grab your favorite drink, get comfortable, because we're getting candid. Welcome! Welcome. Look at that. That was perfect. (laughs) I was actually just one person. According to Kelly Kinesis' dad, we sound exactly the same. Yes. So will you introduce yourself? My name is Samantha Stacks, but last time Kelly was impersonating me and it was really just her talking to herself. (gasps) Wow. Yeah, that's real. Um, We have a guest today, everybody. She's back. I'm back in action. Yep. Here to stay. Peace Corps part two. You asked for it and you're getting it. We're delivering. Um, We still have the questions that Kepler asked us last time, so we're going to kind of go over some of those, but they're pretty deep. So we're just going (laughs) to riff a little bit and try to come up with as much information, which is very easy without getting like too into the weeds, I feel like. So yeah, but I guess we should do just like updates. How have you been? It hasn't been that long since we recorded. Uh, no, it hasn't been that long. Uh, things are great. Kelly is here in Salt Lake City and we are having the worst air quality ever right now. Um, it actually just looks like it's going to snow, but it's probably just smog. It's just smog. Interesting. Yeah. Will we have a white Christmas? Real question. I don't think so. Yeah. It's not happening. I mean, La Nina, right? I don't know. Hmm. Is it Nino or Nina? And I don't know the difference. Good question. No one knows. We'll see what happens. You're but... the one who reads the Farmer's Almanac, yeah. so I feel like you should know. <laughs> We're just doing a big. I am not complaining about the fact that there's no snow yet. So, um, but yeah, Salt Lake is lovely. We had such a good weekend already. We had a cocktail party. We Sam and Josh hosted a cocktail party, and I crashed it. We went to some hot springs. We had really good food, mm-hmm. and now we're here. Here we are doing it big. But anyway, I haven't been to Salt Lake in a minute, so it feels good to. It's okay. Oh, yeah, it's true. (laughs) Speaking of, we have on the shared calendar Ethiopian food. So Sam is lucky enough to have an Ethiopian restaurant here in Salt Lake. And it's very good, actually. Yes. Shout out to Mahadar. Uh, It is delightful. Thank you so much. Yeah. Do you know their story or anything? Where they're from or? Any of that info? Negative. That's okay. Wait, what does Mahadar even stand for? I think it's a name. Okay. I, I think it was either his daughter's name. I'm, I think it was his daughter's name. Okay. Because like typically most Ethiopian restaurants are like, yeah, either like your mother, it's like a not, which means mother in Amharic, or it's like someone's name. So, or like Ethiopia, Abyssinia, which is like another name for Ethiopia back in the day and yeah, anyways, they're all pretty much like themes and everything. But we're going to get Ethiopian food at some point. So let's just like start it off with Ethiopian food. Do you yeah. want to kind of go over like what you ate on the daily or sure. what your family like prepared? Yeah. So <clears throat> Ethiopian food was one of the best parts of service. Absolutely. We, if you've never had it before, you should definitely go try it. The main um, facts you should know about it are that it's served family style so you're sharing with everybody there and their grubby little paws you use your hands to eat but only your right hand it's a big no-no if you use the left because <laughs> that's the one you wipe with um but everything is on injera which is this amazing squishy sourdough pancake and 
Then they put lots of different wats on the injera, which are like stewed lentils or vegetables or things like that. Like the closest comparison I'd say would be to Indian food, like Mm -hmm. kind of like curry-like, but different flavors. Everything Mm -hmm. is um, heavily salted a lot of the time or uses berberry, which is like a spice powder. Um, I guess like a chili pepper, right? Yeah, some sort of chili. But yeah, um, like for I, I was in a um, majority Christian town, and it does seem to vary based on where you're at regionally. I like the majority of whatever religious group is in your town. So for Christians, they're fasting like two thirds of the year. So I ate a lot of I ate mostly vegan most of the time. So mashed up chickpeas, um, making like shiro. Or, um, like I said, lentils or vegetables. Eggs were like a more costly thing. And then you'd get meat on holidays. And it was just chopped up meat with oil and onions and peppers. And everything Lots of oil. was always on the injera. It was so good. So good. Yeah. I feel like – so I lived in more of a Muslim community. And so we were allowed to eat meat the entire year, which was nice. Um, but it's also just, yeah, it is wild where you could go to like Muslim restaurants versus Orthodox Christian restaurants, um, in town and everything. And they would have different foods based on what was happening, like with their religion and everything. So you could, in my town, you could find all different types of things. Like if you wanted to eat out, um, like I said before, my family was also Muslim. And so, um, we kind of just ate whatever, like my, host dad he really liked meat I mean most of the men did I feel like um because it was like kind of a treat but so we actually had meat at the house and like eggs and also they're like more well off so we had a lot of eggs but um also you just ate with your host family like so much or your compound family whatever you want to call them um just because they're so communal and like we like Sam said like you eat together and everyone shares the same plate um, and you just keep throwing injera and wah on, uh, like with whoever joins you. So, um, yeah, I had like a pretty good, decent food options in my town. I would say like, we even had like a little souk, which means, um, like an Ethiopian store, like a little like mini mart kind of sort of <laughs> thing that you could just like walk by. But we had one that sold like egg sandwiches, which was basically just mm. egg on Dabo or on bread. And it was great. I mean, we never got sick of it, but I feel like, again, it was only on specific days and all that kind of stuff, like market days and things like that. But we, most of the time, like Sam said, if everyone's fasting, you eat something called a bayonet or mm-hmm. bayonetu or many different words, every way I said it. It was never the right way to say it. People right. never knew what you were saying. Yes. You'd say bayonet, 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 bayonet. I'm like, oh, bayonet. <laughs> like, yep, that's the one. And so that one was pretty fun. It was just like a bunch of different watts on injera. So some families, like depending on their economic status, would pretty much just eat shiro 99% of the time, which is the like ground up. It's like a garbanzo bean, right? Mm-hmm. Garbanzo bean paste type. Um, and then when everyone was fasting, they ate more of like the vegetables with the miser or the lentils. 
lentil stew in the middle. Um, and so you kind of just got, that was the only time like we got vegetables, I would say, because we weren't advised to eat like raw. salad. Yeah. yeah. Anything raw vegetable wise, because it could be contaminated yeah. and give us a belly issues. Yeah. So, every time I even looked at a mango, I had diarrhea, but I still <laughs> did it. I still love them. And speaking of mango, it was kind of like, yeah, the downfall of everyone. That is where everyone is convinced that I got um, Giardia. It's because I ate a mango that day. And it's really fun to eat mangoes there. You really just like grind them or not grind them. You kind of just like squish them, squish them, squish them while they're still closed. And then you just like bite a hole on the top and you just suck all the juice and all the innards out. It's so good. But your mouth is literally like on the mango peel so that's why everyone thinks that mangoes are like the culprit most of the time yeah but like kelly said before um everybody i don't know there's like that saying like finish your plate because there's a starving child in africa or whatever i know that i was a guest but there was so much food all the time you you could not like not get seconds or thirds like people would just keep filling up your plate, filling up your cup, like you were never, ever allowed to stop eating. Mm -hmm. Um, People never believed you when you said you were full. If you didn't eat it, a kid would eat it. If the kid didn't eat it, the dog would eat it. Like the food did not go to waste and everybody seemed fed. Granted, I'm sure there were, you know, places other, otherwise, like in other towns where if you had a bad crop year or whatever, you know. Yeah, it was very much their culture to just, like, shove food on you until you wanted to throw up and not believe you when you were telling them actively covering your plate, please stop putting food on my plate. But it was also really lovely and, like, they're so generous and so it was really cool in that way. It's also really interesting, like, um, as far as holidays go. So, like, one of the main dishes or, like, the most popular dishes is called Dorawat. It's, like, a chicken stew and they only have it on, like, very, very special occasions and so there's only like a few hard-boiled eggs that they put into the Dorawat. And so um, if they gave you like a hard-boiled egg, that was like the highest. Mm, uh, so good. Yeah. yeah. You just like were like felt very special for getting a hard-boiled egg. Um, so it's just like really funny traditions like that too where um, the holidays were like things were like a little bit different. But still they're just like so generous and amazing. Also like in my family we had – we killed a lot of goats and sheep for um, like Ramadan and things like that. And like the most generous thing that they could offer to you is like the intestines. What is it called? I can't even remember. Do Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was probably my least favorite thing. And that is a distinct memory. When I arrived to my town, my family there made me dinner and I didn't know what it was because I had never had doulette during training and so they like served it to me and it was really sour and super chewy and I was like what is this and the my compound dad was like do you normally eat goat intestine and I was like oh no I don't (laughs) thank you so much and I would try to choke it down and I'm sure it's an acquired taste but eventually I started like literally bringing paper so that I could spit it into the Mm. paper and put it in my pocket I actually did that wow because I did not like doulette that much I liked it by the end of service that was the other thing that was crazy is in training I mean I'll speak for myself but in training I was like 
I have to eat injera every day for two whole years. I was freaking out. Like the Watts were wonderful. They're delicious. But just like injera is a very like acquired taste. I'd say it's very like fermented um, depending on like who makes it and like if it's homemade or if you buy it at like a souk or if um, you go to like a restaurant or something like that. Typically, it's not fermented as long because um, they're like turning it out so quickly that they don't have time to let it ferment. Um, but if you're eating at like someone's home where they only make injera like once a week or something, um, it tends to be really sour. And, um, so like in training, we lived with host families and, um, it just like happened that my host family had very sour injera and which is not like a dig on them in any way. It's definitely just like their preference and how they prepare it. Um, and so yeah, it was just hard sometimes like thinking that I had to eat injera, but by the end I was eating it for like all three meals um, and just like happily and like craving it. If we went to like the Capitol Addis for training or something like that, and we were eating like American-ish food um, because you also were, would crave that, but then you'd be like, oh wait, I need to actually just get some shiro and injera like mm-hmm. to suffice or like curb the craving. Yeah, it was, uh, it was great, but you did – the, the food dreams were very real. Like the things that you would crave were so weird um, while we were gone. There yeah. was also lots of good snacks. Like you could get juice, like parfaits almost, where they do like avocado puree, pineapple, guava, and papaya. And they'd like layer them. And that was really good. I also always got sick when I mm. had those. I was really sensitive. Still am. <laughs> um <laughs> And then like um, like cola. popcorn, mm-hmm. like for coffee times. And then, yeah, colo, like the toasted barley. There was like one day every month, at least in my town, that celebrated Mary, I think. And they like boiled all of these different like types of beans together and everybody would just eat beans all day. Um, but yeah, the food. The food was great. Food was huge. Yeah. I mean, it was like a huge like thing that our whole life revolved around. I mean, there wasn't a whole lot of things for life to revolve around. And so Ethiopian culture, just in general, um, food is huge. And also the coffee ceremony is huge. And so if you were there for coffee, you most likely were going to eat or they're going to like shove food on you anyway. So you got to try a bunch of different families' homes and like every family kind of made shiro differently, which was kind of fun. Um, and then in my town, I had something that was my all-time favorite thing ever. It's called tegabino, mm-hmm. and it's basically just like a thicker shiro. Um, so it's like I don't know, it's like refried bean yeah. consistency, mm-hmm. but made out of chickpeas instead. It was very good. It's very good, yeah. Um, but not a lot of places have that. Or like if you did ask for tagabino, like they all knew the word for it, but they would just give you shiro anyways because they're like, bitch, we're not giving you that much powder. <laughs> because basically it was just like take a whole lot of the mix, you know, that they're mixing with water or oil or whatever the case may be. Um, so it was just like a lot more costly to make tagabino for you. Um, but yeah, there was one little restaurant in my town that would make my site mate and I tagabino whenever we went. It was oh, so good. It was the yeah. Best. I mean, also just like some funny things. I do want to go back to like the cravings because that was huge because just imagine not eating anything you're familiar with for two whole years. And then even if you do like get an Americanized something in the capital, like a burger or something, it's 100% not the same. Um, it Yeah. But my also just like funny things were 
obviously we didn't really have dairy products. And so like when we did get milk or things like that, like you could get a, a what do they call it? Macchiato. Macchiato. Mm-hmm. Um, that was super special. And then like Sam said on the last episode, like getting any sugar in any way, shape or form was pretty special um, just because it was like really hard to get. Yeah. Um, and so, but back to, because all the things were like, what likes do like, and then, um, we also had the injera, which was also soft and spongy. We had nothing that was crunchy. Yes. Yes. Texture. We were deprived of different types of food textures. And <laughs> I would never say that that's like a big deal, but when it's been so long and you don't have any other texture, it's like crazy how you feel about it. Yeah. You're so right. What were one thing, like what was a couple of things that you like craved throughout service? I developed such intense cravings for like Southern barbecue foods, like pulled pork. And I had no idea. I had such a longing for those things. And then I ended up moving to Atlanta. So maybe that's. Ooh, foreshadowing. <laughs> okay. Um, but also, sorry, on the barbecue subject, it was also really alarming if you're like on a minibus or something and. They had no way of disposing of things, right? So they, like, burned a lot of things. Uh-huh. So you'd just be, like, driving in a minibus and you'd be like, oh, it smells like barbecue. And then you'd look over and there'd be, like, a burning, burning pile trash. of carcass or trash. <laughs> and you'd be like, oh, that's not a good smell yeah. that I'm smelling. But anyway, continue. No, yeah. I mean, that was a big one. It, it was just random stuff. And then ice. I really – I craved ice at the beginning and then I really got used to it. And now we were just talking about this yesterday. I can't stand to not have – ice so or cold like anything they did have fridges when the power was on for like having cold sodas I definitely drink soda more there than I did have like my the entire rest of my life yeah just Um, because you needed sugar like something sweet and that was like they were really the only way we got sweet things but my cravings were the most random I like really wanted a sandwich just like a deli sandwich which Mm -hmm. and I talked about it quite frequently (laughs) Um, which is so weird, but I also like classic. I just wanted the crunchy things. Like I just said, like I ate a lot of Cheez-Its. Thankfully my mom and friends like sent me good care packages. So I had Cheez-Its a lot. And then, um, another weird thing is I wanted sour cream, like so Mm. bad. Yeah, I remember you saying that, but yeah, the, the care packages, I also was very, very fortunate. Like those would get me through some dark times. (laughs) Those were great. I mean, um, I feel like just like you, you talking about peanut M and M's the most. Yeah, I would eat pe- peanut M and M's for breakfast with my coffee, um, and that was, I, I was happy. <laughs> um, we should talk about coffee a little bit more because mm. um, coffee is supposedly from Ethiopia, mm. and so it's a really big part of their culture and supposedly there's a farmer with goats named Caldi and the goats started eating the coffee berries off of the tree or bush or whatever. And then they started like getting hyper and jumping around. That's probably not a true story, but people are really, really proud of it. People do not drink it for breakfast. They drink tea for breakfast. And then you have a coffee ceremony with your lunch and your dinner usually. There's almost always three rounds of cups of coffee. They're very tiny cups called sinis. They're just like the size of an espresso cup, basically. They're tiny, Um, but it's like a slower process. They roast the beans and they like have the beans that 
everybody can smell around the room and then they prepare the coffee and each round is supposed to stand for something and I can't remember what they were but like it was like family and God and friends or something like that and I remember um one time we had like a fourth round of coffee and I was like whoa what is this about and I asked I asked my compound dad and he's like we just had extra coffee (laughs) let's just (laughs) drink it I thought it meant something (laughs) um also they do like really most of the time they put on incense during the coffee ceremony and so Mm -hmm. you're literally just being smoked out in this tiny room and it's really (laughs) funny I mean it's like lovely it always smells great but it's like part of I feel like it's like part of the vibe I just want to throw that in there yeah Coffee ceremony was, like, huge, and I probably sat through hundreds of them throughout yeah. service. And, like, the order in which you were served was significant. It would be, like, the guest and then the head of the household. And we already talked about, like, gender roles and inequality in the last podcast, but you can probably imagine who got served last a lot of the time. Um, but, yeah, I I loved that aspect of Ethiopia and also just being like a Ferenc which means like a white person or a foreigner um we would just be like walking down the street and you'd get invited to like a coffee ceremony and then as soon as you're done with a three-hour coffee ceremony you could leave that person's house and be invited to an additional coffee ceremony so sometimes (laughs) you're drinking like 30 cups of Buna a day and it got to be a lot yeah. Um. And halfway through service, um, like, because you didn't want to be rude. You also wanted to make friends. You also, like, it's a, an experience. And so it was kind of interesting. Also, like, of course, you got, like, fun snacks. And, like, every family made their coffee differently. Some of them put different spices in it. Um. What's, like, the tarragon? Oh, tenadom. Tenadom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They would put, like, a That's little true. herb into it sometimes or butter. Yeah. A lot before of the time. butter coffee was a trend here, they've been doing it over there. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and butter is, like, very hard to get over there. Obviously, like I said, there's no dairy products. And so it was kind of, like, special to get the butter. Also, the butter is foul. It is so yeah, interesting. They say- was spiced butter. And I agree. It was it, – I never – I never got used to it. Yeah. It, they – I think, well, my host family told me that they put spices in it to kind of like keep it a little bit longer to like keep its freshness a little bit or preserve it, whatever you want to call it. Um, And it was just such an interesting flavor that I could never get into it. Yeah. Yeah. It was really hard. Um, But anyway, yeah, Buna was like a huge part of just like our lives in general because even there's nothing to do, right? So even if you're just sitting around like watching Al Jazeera or MTV Cribs on TV with them <laughs> while drinking a million cups of coffee, like it was still fun and yeah. like something to do. So yeah, it was very interesting. And also when the power went out, they still we could still do it, you know. So yep, um, because they do everything by charcoal, charcoal fires. Yeah. yeah, so it was a big part of our service and. And everything as well. But also what I think is funny back to like our snacks, like we – I would share my snacks that I got from care packages with my host family and they would think they're disgusting. Yeah, everything was like, oh, that's so salty or that's way too sweet. Um, Yeah, people did not. They also – really interesting, like adults thought that sugar was for babies Mm -hmm. and you would just see like less than one-year-olds with like lollipops hanging out of their mouths and things like that. Um, and then like I would get care packages with like, yeah, like peanut M&Ms and like I got Halloween candy once and like all this stuff and I would show my friends and they'd be like, Kelly, only babies eat candy. And I'd be like, <laughs> okay, whatever. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's 
and also like they when they have birthdays and things like that, they get like a piece of bread. Oh yeah, as a cake instead of right a sweet cake. massive piece of what was that called? Um, like Diffodabo Diffo or something? Dabo. No, right? those are those little those tiny, tiny Dabi Colo. Dabo Colos. Yeah, um, I don't know, I can't remember. But it was yeah, like a celebration bread. It was like the size of the table. It was huge. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was always really fun. I mean. I liked all their breads. I did too. Even remember like the flatbreads that mm. were like big like discs basically and they were f- super flat. Kind of like non or something. Anyways, no. my town had them a lot. I know that like um, up north they had basically like English muffins, kitas, and mm. those were so good. Mm-hmm. We're definitely just speaking about our experiences. There are like a lot of different regional food specialties. Like Harar was like really big into – dessert with honey and stuff and like um the more like muslim communities i feel like you guys ate a lot more like dates and your mm-hmm. your your foods would change around ramadan and like absolutely there was in the south too they had a whole different um vessel for eating instead of injera they use this um like leafy plant mm-hmm. that was like ground up i can't even remember what it's called now it was tasted like rubber it was not great oh insect is oh. that what it – or no, that was the fake banana thing. Yeah. Never mind. Um, But then also down south, they would eat a lot of like raw ground or chopped really finely beef. Oh, um, yeah. And so we didn't do that in my town. But yeah, the south just had a bunch of different stuff. That's also where most of the coffee came from and everything too. I lived in like a very dry desert area um, and Sam lived in like a bigger city. So Yeah, in the mountains. Mm-hmm. We didn't have – a lot of alcohol at site, but um, there are lots of different types of alcohol too. There was Tej, which is like a honey fermented wine, I guess, which gave me the worst hangovers of my entire life. It was very sweet. Um, Tella was like a locally brew, like people would brew this in their home. It tasted like dirt and twigs to me. <laughs> it's and like would, supposed to be beer. I would find twigs in it. <laughs> Um, it grew on me. That grew on me. Yeah. And then Arake is like moonshine and it's basically paint thinner and people, yeah, made it in jerry cans. Brewed in a gas can, <laughs> literally. Um, and then there were like, uh, nationally made beers and stuff too, like Georgie's and Walia and Habasha and. Yeah, Habasha came out like towards the end of our service, and that was yeah. definitely the best beer we had. All just like light beers, basically. Um, and then when we would go and all get together at the Capitol, we would we would get turbos, which is a bottle of wine, and a beer and a Coke. It's a spray and a Coke, maybe, and a beer. Yeah, it's like a mixture. Oh man, mm-hmm. good stuff. Yeah. Real good. Yeah, we had a great time whenever we went to the Capitol. Also, like just in general, I can't, we kind of talked about this, but we, were not, we weren't allowed to drink at site. So I didn't drink at site at all. We only drank like in the Capitol. So. Yeah, right. I didn't either. Um, I'm sure we're missing stuff, but we should probably move forward. Move on with food. Yeah. Okay. Well, but honestly, I feel like food was like such a big part of our it lives. Was. And also not to mention the fact of just like talking to any other Peace Corps volunteer from any other – country in Africa, they always knew they're like, oh, you guys had the best food because a lot of African countries have kind of similar things. Like um, a lot of them have that like, uh, it's like a root vegetable that's like ground up and they just like put different things on it. Basically. Oh yeah. Like cassava. Yeah. 
Um, but anyway, which is good, but it's um, we we definitely lucked out. Like, I love Ethiopian food to this day. And if you've never had it, I would highly recommend it. Um, there are a lot of Ethiopian restaurants in like what seems to be like big hub cities where Ethiopians kind of end up. Um, so like San Francisco, Seattle, Portland, um, areas where they have like other family and they're able to like open a restaurant and or get their family over here at some point. So, but that's a whole other subject, like Ethiopians leaving and, Mm -hmm. and all of that stuff. It's very difficult for Ethiopians to actually leave Ethiopia. So, um, we're very lucky as Americans to be able to travel anywhere in the world, basically. Totally. So, I mean, that's a good kind of like segue, I guess, to like how, Ethiopia has made a lasting impact on us. Do you know where you want to go with that one? Oh, man. Um, no, you go ahead. Okay. <laughs> I feel like just like what comes to my mind first is – well, two things. The first thing is I told myself that I would never take like running water or clean water for granted, and I absolutely do that now. Um we're very lucky and like kind of sheltered in the fact that we can just mostly drink water out of anything. Like we can drink water out of a hose and it would be like potable. You know what I mean? There you have to be so careful with everything that you're putting in your body, what you're washing with. Like um, you just never know. And I mean, that's the same for many third world countries. Ethiopia is not alone in that. Um, I just never realized how difficult life was without having running water or clean running water. Um, And just it makes literally everything so much easier. Just like washing your hands is a pain. Brushing your teeth is a pain. Obviously, we didn't shower very often. um, But then just like washing vegetables and things like that. Like everything was so much harder. Um, And so I personally like was like I will never take that for granted as well do you want to say something on that no I mean just hearing you say that like brings up um I don't know there's like a lot of stereotypes or like perceptions about people living in less resourced countries and um we like can travel and we can like work full-time jobs because we have all those conveniences whereas like people are still living like they did, you know, a thousand years ago in some ways where like some people still have to go walk to get water or whatever. You have to have somebody at home whose full-time job is like preparing food and watching the kids. Like there's a reason that women aren't like out in the workforce as much or like uh, in school in the same numbers in these countries is because you literally like to survive have to have somebody doing all these like physical tasks that take so much time. So yeah, it is like a convenience thing that allows us to be able to like excel in other ways and like learn and like, I I don't know, not that you can't be like intelligent and do those same things. That's not what I'm saying, but like it does give you a lot more freedom to focus your energy in other places. Right. Right. My other thing that I was thinking is, Just having Al Jazeera, so if you're unfamiliar, Al Jazeera is world news, um, and it is playing on their TVs, well, at least in my host family and in my compound family's homes, it was playing, Al Jazeera was playing 100% of the time, all the time, unless the kids had the remote, Um, and so just knowing world news is so 
crazy. Like things that are going on in the world, we as Americans pay no mind. It's actually mind boggling. Um, the things that I learned while being there just about what was going on in the world, like obviously the States are on their news as well. So we got to hear things that were happening in the States. Like there was one point during my service when there was a really bad wildfire, wildfire in California that I heard about just purely by watching Al Jazeera. Um, it just is crazy how sheltered Americans are. Like most of the time people only watch like local news, even not even like United States news. Um, and so the fact that other countries in the world are focused and know so much more what's going on outside of the United States. I mean, just in general is so mind boggling to me that we do not care or we cannot even have like the foresight to understand what's going on in the world. And we're so sheltered in that way. And so I always said that Al Jazeera would be like super important news to me. Um, and that is true, but like Honestly, I tried to not pay attention to the news at all because it's very depressing, which is also a privilege as an American. And I'm going to own that and claim that and everything. Um, but also like Al Jazeera a few years ago, like went out of business, not went out of business, but they stopped having local broadcasts in the United States because no one watched it, mm -hmm. which just fucking blows my mind. Like, I mean, of course, it's playing in other countries and they still have online news and everything that we can access. But it's just insane how, yeah, how sheltered Americans are and um, how we choose to not know things about other countries or the world or anything. Yeah, we were gone for like when the George Floyd riots were. So we like, I remember seeing that on the news and like leading up to the 2016 election. And I remember seeing all that nonsense. And like, even then when we were traveling right afterwards, people would be like, oh, you're American? Like, what's going on over there? Mm -hmm. <laughs> we were like, we don't know. We haven't been there in a minute. Like, I'm not sure. But it was, yeah, so, so fascinating to see the outside perspective of the U.S. Mm -hmm. And also just I, one thing on that, you reminded me, like, a lot of the time they were very happy to talk to us about Obama because he was the president at the time and he is black and, oh, you love Obama and blah, blah, blah. So it was also interesting and then when we elected trump while we were there everyone was like oh we can't talk to you anymore like it was like a very obvious shift it felt yeah i don't know yeah anywho um can no, you think I, of anything i think that was super well said i really thought that um I wasn't like a very strong feminist before Ethiopia and I think like you were saying I mean it's just like a privilege thing you didn't know how much you benefited from I don't know being an American being white all that other stuff and so I was like oh I don't feel like restricted in my rights I don't feel uh in any way like I can't do whatever I want and um I think we talked about this a little bit in the last episode so sorry if it's a duplicate but I feel like became much more passionate about women's rights, just like girls not being able to go to school because they didn't have menstrual products. Or um, just I had a couple girls in my town tell me that they were sexually assaulted and they couldn't like tell anybody about it because they would be the ones that were blamed and then they would be like, you know, unclean or whatever. Like it was kind of their fault and just lots of stuff like that. So I feel like being more passionate about that. Um and then just like on a lighter note, like 
still just really I always buy Ethiopian coffee I still mm. like my dog's name is Mectis which is my favorite like name in Ethiopia um I I don't know I wish there were more ways that I like kept it going in my everyday life though I mean a big influence is just like us yeah <laughs> I mean like we are still friends um and like we said on the last episode, we just like met at the airport in JFK. Um, and also just the fact that we all keep in touch generally. I'm impressed with how much we keep in touch for being such a large group, um, like as a whole, not Sam and I. We Sam and I see each other quite often and our other friend Christina as well. But we, yeah, just our group as a whole, I'm impressed. I mean, you know, we're government issued friends, but like the fact that we've been able to keep it going, even coming back to the States, because a lot of people's, you know, things change, like people got married, people had kids, like mm -hmm. life goes on, even though this huge thing happened in your life. And, and also it's just interesting, like we were much different people. I mean, that's kind of like an aggressive way of saying it, but we were like, living completely different lives mm -hmm. while there. And so that's really interesting too, um, just like what your Ethiopia life was like and then what your state's life was like and trying to and being able to like balance that as well. Yeah. Um, and that comes into play a lot with just like volunteers in our group ended up marrying Ethiopians um, and they ended up coming to the States with them and – Many of them are not still together. So um, I don't know, obviously, all the reasonings why that happened. But um, oh, yeah. But I know what you're saying. Like you, the person that you are there is not always the person you are in the United States. Yeah. yeah. Like you're you're kind of a celebrity there. We talked about being watched. You're interesting. You come back to the U.S., all your problems that you left behind are still there. Like you're different, all your family and your old friends and like your job and all that other stuff here. It is definitely different. Mm -hmm. and this, this is a good question. Sorry, continue. No, go ahead. I was going to say it. So we kind of talked about it, but just like how has our friendship evolved during our service and then how has it continued to grow since? Yeah. So obviously we met at JFK. We would hang out a bit during our three-month training period when we were living in the same town. Mm -hmm. um, and then we thought we were going to be very close together when we got told which sites we were going to, but we were not. We were like 12 hours away by bus. But we did visit each other a couple of times. We would like meet up when we were in the capital on weeknights or Monday nights after 9 p.m. The minutes on our cell phones were cheaper so we would try to talk on Monday Hat nights. Price, baby. Yeah. <laughs> um yeah, I think we did a good job about having the weekly phone call. Yeah. I mean, there was obviously emergencies where we had to call each other because something happened or we just were crying or yeah. You know, we were just getting really emotional, um which happened very often. Or if you just need to speak English for like a hot minute. Yeah. That was super important as well. But one of the like um uh camps that we did we were both helping with that together which was cool uh camp grow yeah that was an epic journey to get out there after service we ended up traveling together we made plans to um go to southeast asia after 
And so we ended up spending a month or was it longer than a month? I think it was right around a month. Yeah. Um, we spent a month traveling around Thailand, Cambodia, and Vietnam. Um, we'd hit all like the super important places. It felt like it went by really fast though. So we didn't have enough time. Also, we were just talking about this yesterday. We really want to go back to Thailand because we feel like we were in some sort of like weird fog or not fog, just like not real life because we had come from Ethiopia. Also, side note, Thailand is a Peace Corps country. Obviously, they don't live in like Bangkok or, you know, like the islands or anything like that. But they it is a Peace Corps country and just the things they had available to them. We were like, what in the world? Yeah. This is crazy. Just like the fruits, the, I don't know, just like a little bit of luxury. Like they had the beach. They had like, oh, I don't know, just – and just infrastructure stuff. I feel like traveling mm-hmm. was, I think by a lot of standards here, probably still somewhat difficult, but compared to what we had been doing, it was like, this is amazing. Like these, the buses are so easy. They leave at a scheduled time. It wasn't just like whenever they felt like leaving. Um, also, they're so much more accustomed to seeing white people. No one was yes. staring at you. No one was grabbing you. No one was yelling at you. Yeah. Um, so that I'm sure maybe in the rural areas, um, far out deep or where they don't see as many white people, but they still are much more familiar with them than the rural people of Ethiopia. So that was just like, definitely a kind of like a hard blow to go see a Peace Corps country right after you got out of the Peace Corps, but it was incredible. Like we had the best time. Um, and also just the food, everything, everything was like life changing. (laughs) Yeah, it did. It felt very, very magical. We were still very much in our like grungy, like haggle with everybody, um, dirty dirt bag mode, but it was great. It was really, really fun. And then afterward, um, we went to visit you Mm -hmm. in Yosemite and I, literally the day after we got off the airplane, we hiked half. <laughs> it was magical. I did it in Chacos. I would not recommend doing that. Um, but I didn't have any other shoes that had a tread on them anymore. And uh, but it was so beautiful. I'd never seen Yosemite before, so that was crazy. Oh man, it was so wonderful. Getting back to the U.S., it was a little overwhelming. Very overwhelming. Culture shock was very, very real. But even having each other for that was helpful. Like, Mm -hmm. if you cried in the grocery store trying to pick out cereal, me too. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And also, it was just crazy. So Sam had gone into grad school Mm -hmm. already. And so she, like, kind of had a plan of what she was doing, which made things maybe a little bit yes. – I mean, I won't speak for you, but no, yeah, a little I, bit easier. I think having something you were going directly into right after was big for people's mental health. Mm-hmm. Um, I did not have a plan, but we did get this thing of kind of, like, non-competitive eligibility uh, for a government job. And so I was able to get a job at Yosemite with my non-competitive eligibility And I started working there a few months after we'd gotten back, but it still felt really long and that I like, I was never going to do anything with my life ever again, but we had kept in touch throughout that. We kept in touch throughout grad school for Sam. Um, Christina and I went out to see her one time in Atlanta, but she definitely came out here to California because Christina and I were both in California for a lot more, many more times (laughs) than we went to see her. Um, and so we just like made it a priority to see each other, at least at the beginning, it was like once a year, 
it felt like maybe. Yeah. And now, like we said, we're we're on a quarterly schedule. So I'm trying to maintain that. Yeah. It also, is just a bond unlike like any other. Mm-hmm. But okay, let's see. What are one of these other questions? Um can you discuss a challenge you faced together in Ethiopia? Mm. That one's a little hard. I feel like since we didn't live in the same site as one another, we didn't really go through many challenges together. I think mostly the challenges we faced, we both were facing in our own locations. Um, like we already kind of talked about, just the work was really difficult. Um, and then, of course, just like the challenge of being watched, the challenge of not having clean water or being sick um, was just like always hitting us every single day. So trying to just like be positive and stay positive throughout it. Um, And then also like the time. I feel like counting down was like a benefit and a curse at the same time. Like we really were, I don't know. It's so weird because like once you get one year in, you're like, wow, I completed a whole year. But you're also like, wow, I still have a whole year. And so it's just like really hard. Yeah, really hard mentally on counting down and being really grateful for the time to go by. But then also being really sad that the time's going by. I don't know. It was such a weird like balance. But I think the same thing that you said, just like trying to support each other through like, hey, this like training didn't happen or like my counterpart I haven't seen and a month or whatever else and like trying to brainstorm things or just like stay motivated. Yeah. Yeah. Staying motivated is really hard, especially when you're sick and don't have water and don't have electricity and like everything else is really difficult. Like, yeah, such a crazy under like better understanding for how strong everyone is there. Their day to day. So crazy. Um, okay. Let's see what else. Um, Reflecting on your time together in Peace Corps, what qualifies or what qualities do you admire most in each other? Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. I have a lot to say about Kelly. Um, No, I think that you're a very self-motivated person. You're always, like, still trying to maintain some semblance of, like, routine and, like, working out every day. Um, And I really admire that because it could be very easy to, like, get really low and just – throw yourself a pity party and like not do anything. I feel like you always were like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to try this. And then I'm going here. Like you still scheduled your time very well. You're very real. Like you don't sugarcoat anything, which I really appreciate, but like not in a negative way, like not in like a everything sucks. It's just like, yeah, it is this way, but like you're going to do it. You're very like social I would never have, like, made any friends in Peace Corps. I'm pretty convinced. That is not true. (laughs) Kelly pulled me into a lot of fun things, like friendships, um, still activities. I feel like you still do that. Like, a lot of my craziest, like, memories or, like, most fun adventures have been with you, which is amazing. And I don't know that I would have, like, been brave enough to do that stuff without you. So I am – there's a million more things, but, like – those are some big ones for me. Hmm. Thank you. That's mm-hmm. very nice. Um, I was going to say, I feel like you were much more organized during Peace Corps and you are were just so impressive in the way that you went about like work and actually fulfilling your like hospital requirements. I mean, that was like a whole thing in itself and you like pushed really hard to continue doing that even though you were very successful in like 
your girls groups. And so I feel like you are inspirational to me, especially in like the gender part, because um, I did start a gender club like halfway through service um, because of Sam's like influence on how much she loved doing like Camp Glow and everything, which is a girls leading our world. Um, It's a kind of a camp that goes across all of Peace Corps. So many different Peace Corps countries do Camp Glow. Um, And so I feel like just getting involved in like gender and understanding um, the like inequalities and everything was a huge influence throughout service for that. And then I also agree. I think that you are still like a feminist and you're very inspirational in that way with your current job and how much you advocate for women's health and women's rights in that way is really inspirational. I mean, just you as an NP in general is pretty impressive. Um, The things that Sam goes through on the daily is unlike any other. And she has the best stories in case you ever need a laugh (laughs) or a giggle. Um, Just her fact of still helping people. Like I personally, I wouldn't say I'm like a a helper. I'm not, that's not one of my qualities, but I'd say that Sam (laughs) is a helper for sure. Um, And the fact that she could literally get a job anywhere and she works with homeless and it's just very impressive and it's very inspirational. Um, Also, she is the funniest person that I know. Absolutely. So she just always makes me laugh and always is able to lift me up. And she also is a good hype woman. Oh my gosh, stop. I'm so embarrassed. (laughs) (laughs) She is a good hype woman because she always says the best things and like what you need to hear. Also, she listens to all my stupid ass stories. Oh my gosh. It's the best. But that's very kind. Thank you. I just love you. I love you too. So much. I can't like, I'm so happy we're friends. Yeah, me too. Yeah. So that's a, this a crazy thing too is like, would we have ever crossed paths? Probably not, which is insane. Yeah. Right. I think that's wild too. I can't imagine. Yeah. So interesting. You know, when you like picture your life and like how it's going to go. Same thing with Kayflair, I would say just like. The fact that I just was like, hey, can I be your roommate? Because I didn't like my roommate. And now we've been friends for 15 years or so. Um, It's pretty cool. And Sam and I are coming up on 10 years as well. So, Right. If we would have not applied for Peace Corps or we would have been assigned a different country or not like run into each other and get JFK, it's like, yeah, all these things. Yeah. So weird. Life is weird. Life is weird. Um, these were just the questions that Kayfler had put together, I think with her family, um, a while ago. So we just thought we should answer a few more of them. Also the food is like our favorite part and we (laughs) always eat, um, Ethiopian food. We tend to eat it whenever we're together. So we really wanted to, I really wanted to talk about the food portion of it. Um, and also like we already said, it was a huge part of our, our whole service. Um, not to mention it's mostly how we got sick and everything else, but It was also definitely the coolest part and the most like community building part of our service, I would say. Mm -hmm. Um, So it was really important to us. But um, I think those are all the questions that we had. Let us know if you guys have any additional or you want to know anything else particularly. I feel like we covered a lot of the good stuff without getting into like very specific stories. Like I'm sure we could share crazy stories, but um, things like you wouldn't believe that actually happened to us and just seemed normal and like not oh man super wild at the time. Yeah. I just, yeah, there are so many like random one-liners when you said like 
you are trying to like help at the hospital and I put effort into that or whatever like I was but then the director of the hospital like was being really creepy and fell in love with me and then would just say things like do you ever dream about running away together (laughs) um no (laughs) thank you like there are just so many random like crazy things that happened like when you and I were in the minibus and that guy mm-hmm. went and bought a mango and mm-hmm. then chewed up the mango and spit it at me. Yeah, just just Sam. No one else. Just me. He, he bought a mango bought just, just to spit it at Sam. So Right, or like, I don't know. When we got chased by a camel when Lindsay was visiting, Lindsay oh and I gosh. got chased by camels. Um, you know, just good stuff. Really, really just you could never make it up. The mm-hmm. woman who like came up and grabbed my boobs and asked me like if I had a kid where my kid was because there was like obviously milk in my boobs (laughs) I was like oh my god no (laughs) just yeah every town had one crazy lady which was kind of the best my town had the guy that was completely naked except for the scarf he just wore a scarf yeah that was impressive there was always one of those as well yeah there were a lot of naked people or just like the open defecation um, right in front of you that you saw on the daily. Was a lot of, yeah, freedom with. Pretty great. With going to the bathroom. Yeah. Hence why everyone was sick. Yeah. Didn't really make sense why no one understood that. But, you know, we survived. We're here. I wouldn't say my gut, my GI is exactly like ever going to be the same, but we're trying. We're working on it. It stayed with you. Ethiopia is always with you. Literally, the little bugs in my gut are never, <laughs> never gonna leave me. So, yeah, if oh, you could be so lucky. Um. But anyway, do you want to do a gratitude and a grievance? Sure. Let's do it. Wrap it up, baby. Okay. You want to do grievance first? Grievance first. Okay. My grievance is the air quality in Salt Lake City. Let's get it together. I don't want I-15 to be expanded if any of my representatives are listening to this. (laughs) Um, We live in a bowl and it's so smoggy in the winter and all the pollution just sits here. I need to see the sun. I I have seasonal affective disorder. We all need it anyways. You know what's also crazy? Lindsay literally texted like 20 minutes ago and she said, just read SLC has the worst air quality in the world right now. Right. Question mark. Congratulations, everybody. Good job. SLC, you're really doing it big. You're really showing up for me right now. Um, Okay, this is a grievance that is kind of just like relevant to yesterday. So we went to these really cool hot springs and um, people who are just like not self-aware. I mean, that's my grievance always, to be quite honest. still true though. It always applies. It always applies. Like in the hot springs, just people are – okay, it was pretty busy, but like so I'm not – dogging on that in any way, shape, or form. But just, like, people are splashing each other. People are just, like, in the way or they just stop right in front of you. And I'm just, like, every time I'm in a public setting, I'm, like, am I a hermit? Because I hate people. Like, why can people not just, like, walk or just, like, be normal? I don't get it. Or people who don't wrangle their children. I mean, I know that's a whole thing in itself. But But that's, like, not how I was raised. It was always, like, move out of the way. Apologize to that person. Like, blah, blah, blah. Like, watch your back. Like, don't step on – you know, it's, like – and people just don't do that anymore. I don't know. Yeah. It's very interesting. Um, But I feel bad because that's, like, my grievance always. So I agree with it. Okay. Thanks. (laughs) I appreciate it. 
Okay, what's your gratitude going to be? Um, obviously, my gratitude is Kelly Kneese. It was oh, last man. time. It is again. She came here. It's a long-ass drive. She made it. She instantly started juicing oranges and limes for Palomas. Um, she is so gregarious, like played games with all my friends. Um, she's just down for whatever. So like just so lovely. It's oh so wonderful gosh. to have you here. Thank you for hosting. Um, yeah, it's actually fun that we got to see each other like a month back to back. Absolutely. But I mean, yeah, my gratitude is the same. Just Samantha Lee. It doesn't have to be. I wasn't like. I mean, I searching for the. I compliment. feel like you are. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I was fishing. <laughs> no, but what could it could it be anything else? Um, it's also just crazy that yeah, we've been through another year together. Um, we've been talking about this Peace Corps reunion for a while, and so if that actually happens, I will be very grateful for that and just the fact that we'll get to see everyone again and actually get to. I don't know. It's also kind of fun just to like explore our friendship with everyone else too, because some people didn't keep in contact with other people. Like I feel like we're kind of an anomaly mm-hmm. in that we're such good friends still. Um, and so I think people are really excited that we like still hang out and see each other and, and all that good stuff. Um, but also just, it is always funny whenever I'm, we're introducing each other and everyone's like, oh, how do you guys know each other? And we're like, oh, we were in the Peace Corps together. And then they just don't know what to say. Right. Like, yeah. it's like <laughs> stop talking. And they're like, okay. Like, also we already talked about this on the last episode, but just like the level of interest that people actually have is really hard to gauge. Cause they're like, oh, like where were you? And then when you say Ethiopia and they don't know a single thing about Ethiopia, then they just go, oh, cool. Mm-hmm. Or they say, how was it? And that means they absolutely don't want to know about it. So yeah, it's just funny. Yeah. Anyway. Definitely. But it would be like most people when you ask how you know each other, you're like, oh, we were friends in high school or friends in college or something like that. And so it is kind of like a cool story that we get to tell always. Yeah. Very true. Yeah. Like I said, let us know if you have any additional questions or like anything you think that we didn't cover. Or Um, if you want to get Ethiopian food with (gasps) us. Yeah. Let's do it. Somehow we talked half of the time about just food, so <laughs> sorry about it. it. All right. Talk to you guys. We love you all so much. Bye. Thanks for being candid with us. Bye. episode of candidly 30 hope you enjoyed listening as much as we enjoyed chatting if you like what you heard please subscribe to our podcast and leave a five-star review your feedback helps us make the show even better follow us on instagram at candidly 30 thanks for being candid with us